Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, we're talking sobriety in a candid discussion with the gal whose social media handle is LA. She's the adorable Ashley Allen, a Texas native who credits God for her break from addiction. You'll get to meet her right after this. I sometimes think I have a podcast just so I can brag about Arkansas businesses. Here's one that you'll love if you are anywhere in the 501 or even some of the other area codes. It's David's Burgers. Yeah, David's Burgers is an Arkansas institution selling delicious ground beef patties. And you can have fries with that. They even have a chicken sandwich at the David's Burgers. But now you can get chicken at their sister restaurant, which is Jess's Chicken. Yeah, the same family. The Bubba's family has them all. And the Bubba's family knows burgers because it started back in Russellville. You might know that story. But just 10 years here in central Arkansas, you know you'll have the friendliest people, you'll have the best service, and you'll have the best meal. My husband always says he prefers David's Burgers over any bougie restaurant on, you know, the the top of the fancy buildings in a fancy city. He always says, I just rather a burger from (laughs) David's Burgers. And that's what we do. We eat a meat-based diet so we can go there. I can get the double patty and cheese. I can't eat it all, but I always think that's, I'm going to eat all that. And you can even get mushrooms and cheese and you can get onions and you can get whatever you want. And we all know about the french fries that come to your table. And they even give you a little treat at the end, a little ice cream. If you want a good place for your family and you know you're supporting an Arkansas business, it's David's Burgers and all their locations. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. You know what, Ashley Allen? What People up? are here to hear your story. <laughs> That's why they're listening to this podcast. I love it. Uh, my connection with you was just, just that I heard you on a podcast recently Thank and you. I tracked you down. I said, I, I got to have that. that girl. Part of your what's endearing about you is that you are uh, Southern roots and yeah. I'm here in Little Rock, Arkansas. And the fact that you have a really compelling story. So, Ashley, you're known as ex-Party Girl LA on social media. We'll put that in the show notes. But tell me how you got that moniker and where this all began for you. Tell me your story. Sure. Um, I was a raging alcoholic. No, I'm kidding. Um, I I, I struggled with shame. and, um, and And it kept me sick for a long time. It kept me drunk for a long time. And I would wear this shirt that said ex-party girl that I made for myself. And then my ex-party girl friends, they were like, wait, we want one. And so I started making them one and realizing they have shame all over their story. And so I was like, what if we just put out there the stuff we used to do and like the not mailing us some rehab postcards and the not vodka water bottle and let's make it fun and make people not feel alone because we did that stuff too. I did that stuff. Um, I'm fighting the stigma that it's your hot mess or you're crazy um, with normalizing it and normalizing getting well and having fun with it. I'm not boring. I'm actually more fun sober than I was ever drunk. So that's how it started. Well, tell me your awareness then that you did have a problem with addiction, if we want to use the umbrella of addiction. Sure. And then um, when you felt, when you 
felt like a grown up where you could start telling your story because that's a big step. Yeah. Um, well, to tell you the truth, um, I was diagnosed, I guess, with alcoholism or started having a, diff- a difficult relationship with alcohol um, when I went to college. And I was a late bloomer, I guess you could say. I did not drink in high school at all, but I went off to school and decided, like, I'm going to try this, and I don't have a stop button. I never have. So my my alcoholism or my drinking was more public than it wasn't like I was a closet drinker and no one knew. It was obvious I had a problem, and numerous people would say, you don't have a stop button, or maybe you should look at this a little bit. Um that happened very often and I just wasn't ready for it. Um, denial was a big part of my story. And then, then what that, when the denial went away, it was, I didn't care. You know, my self-esteem had gone down so much from alcohol um, that I just, I was just comfortable being a mess. And that's how I, that's how I would live. But um, yeah, it, um, it started in college and then gradually got progressively worse. Um, and that's where that's where something divinely happened to me, and I'll share that in a little bit. That kind of intervened on me. I was I did not realize I was getting sober or wanted to. Um, just something happened that was profound, um, and thank God it did. So you know, this was freshman year. People are pledging sororities. Yep. Uh, you were in Austin, correct? Because you you told me before yeah, we started. You I was down uh, in, in Austin. Austin so <laughs> fun party school. We all know. Um, yeah. I mean, we we. If you've been to college, they're fun anyway. Um, and you're saying you didn't have a stop button. So are you saying, Ashley, early on when you went drinking with your peers, you went from zero to 100? Yes. Or did you that first night just sip a little bit of a beer? Right. So it's interesting. I went zero. To, I had tried alcohol once um, in high school. But I think the reason I didn't get addicted is later on I used it to fill a void. Well, I had that void filled in high school with a serious codependent relationship. So I was kind of getting, quote unquote, high off of that. So, of course, I'm not going to find alcohol and have an aha moment. I had it with this person and it was it was not a good, healthy relationship at all, to say the least. Um, Very codependent. So I think alcoholism manifested that way for me earlier and then when i went to college and was not in a relationship i was like i've arrived so my first time out i got too drunk i mean awful and uh it's been that way since so your relationship you replaced from high school you replaced it with booze yes Mm -hmm. okay so the relationship in high school let's talk about that um, any family members, any close friends start saying, Ashley, this is a little unhealthy, where you could start seeing that perspective? Well, yes. Um, it's a little more complicated, and I'll share that. I'll be completely transparent with this. My mother was very involved in my relationship with this person, and okay. she became codependent with us. Um, Got it. She absolutely loved the person I was seeing, which, which was a longtime boyfriend. And so it was just a very complicated, almost threesome um, that we would start doing things together. And I know that sounds outlandish. And thank God, when I got sober with my alcoholism, my parents changed. They saw me change and they started working on their behaviors. But yeah, it was the best thing, honestly, that ever happened to my family and me. And I can get to that. But I mean, that's the beautiful thing that came out of, you know, my journey, my story, I call it that because um, that's important. But 
Yeah, it, and my dad, I think, just kind of went along with it. Uh, my sister was young. I kind of think she was like the lost child if you want to get clinical with it. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't – no one really did. In fact, at my cheerleading banquet my senior year, we I got the award, like, most likely to get married first. So I think it was just kind of Texas, and that's what you do. Your life is your relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Big hair and cheerleading squads. and Oh, yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> Longhorns. Longhorns. Um, the side note is we're recording this in uh, September of 2022, and you're getting married for real this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to probably cry. It's so, I love um, crying tears of gratitude. I, I love that. And I, every time I talk about like my story or like the gifts from it, I can't help but get emotional. So excuse me for a second. Um, I love it. If you would have told me three years ago that I would be getting married to somebody that knows my history with alcohol, my relationship, everything I went through, jail stays. Um, and he's actually a defense attorney, so that's laughable. Um, he wasn't mine. <laughs> he wasn't mine at all. But um, okay. it's and he's not a drinker, and not because he had an issue. He was just like a retired frat guy, I guess you could say. So um, God's a big part of my story. And I remember my mother telling me that she prayed for God to send me someone, but only after I got a year sober. So I would realize I can do this on my own. Y'all, I, I, my year sober was on a Thursday. I met David on a Saturday right after. And, that is precious. Um, okay, yeah. I want mothers right now to stop what they're doing. This is why when we pray, we storm the gates of heaven. Yeah. And God listens to us. So yeah. mothers, keep praying for your kids. Absolutely. And there's something that's really beautiful towards the end of my um my rough time before I got sober. My mom said in the middle of the night she woke up and she had... An intuitive thought or or voice, perhaps, and it said, Kim, it's done. And I think that was referring to my alcoholism, and she was able to sleep at night from then on because she wasn't. My parents weren't. They were worried sick about me. And they almost got to a point where they loved when I was in jail because they didn't worry about it. That's right. That's crazy. So um, that's beautiful because that's what happened to me. And I I heard a similar voice, and that's what changed my life forever. so yeah. your epiphany was you felt like the Lord speaking to you? Yes. And and you got sober. Wow. Tell me about that. So I was two weeks into my recovery. Actually, I don't know if it was a couple of days or two weeks. Things were really groggy back then. Because and, and what year, how old were you at this point? Because you started at 18 drinking. Yeah, I, I attempted to get sober, but I was doing it on my own. And Ashley can't fix Ashley. And so right. I would start the substitution, like I'm going to drink beer instead of vodka or I'm not going to live in this city. I'm going to move to this city, or maybe it's my job, mm-hmm. or maybe it's this relationship. So it was always something external, and I didn't understand that it was internal. Um, the things externally I was trying to fill my void with just weren't working, or they weren't enough, and it always came back to a constant with alcohol. But um, it took me about 12 years to get sober, and I share that because if you're having a problem being a chronic relapser, which I was, it's a miracle that I'm sober. Um, wow. And I always say if, if I was able to get sober, anyone can, to be honest. And I, and I was way down the line with mine. Um, I ended up homeless towards the end. Um, and you talk about head cheerleader, prom queen nominee, yeah. Yeah. top All 10 at Miss Texas, living on the streets wow. of Hollywood with no shoes. That's wow. where I went. But um a couple of days into my sobriety, I actually got picked up on the streets in Hollywood 
by a, a civil worker and took me to a state funded rehab. And I didn't have anything when I went to this rehab. I've been to nice rehabs too, but my parents this time said, figure it out. They kind of cut the codependency and the enabling and said, if you want to get sober, go after it. We've, we've done it for you. And you done, and so maybe it's your time, the time you own it. So a couple weeks, um, and I was, I would sit outside the center and I would look up at this palm tree and it would sway. And that was like the closest I could maybe get to praying or meditating. I was very angry at God. Um, I grew up in a Baptist home. So I felt like I was going to go to hell or I was such a bad person. And that played into the shame. But I realized mm. that that's not God and of God. And God actually, Jesus loves people like me because then cool things happen to us and we go share our testimony or our miracle with others. Um, and we can touch those people that um, aren't, we're not perfect. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and I love that. But a couple, a couple, like I just right at the beginning of my recovery, and this was back in um, 2019, 2019, early 2020. So I'm celebrating three years in February. So this was, congratulations. thank you. It's, it, I doesn't feel like it at all, but yet it does. Um, I was sitting outside looking at this palm tree and I had so much anger and an intrusive thought. Um, and I don't share this often because I think you really have to understand it um, in a spiritual sense or if you're a Christian. And if you aren't, then I hope it, it speaks to you in a certain way. Um, I'm not crazy, but if I am, it's fine. But um, God told me, like, I, I, Ashley, are you ready to suit up and show up? Are you ready to fight on the front? Sorry. Are you ready to fight on the front lines with me? I've been here this entire time. You have it. And that anger went away because I realized that I was the one that turned my back on everything about God and Jesus and what I thought I knew and what I didn't. And he was always the constant for me. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes to this day, I'm like, how am I still alive? I mean, seriously, and my friend Katie, who's sober, we're like, how did we make this? And um, it's, it's totally God. And, and since then, it was God and me from then on. And I have a good relationship. Not only do I know of him, but I, I joke. And this is, I think, honestly, one of the main things that kept me sober and kept me on this path um, that's so beautiful is that I talk to God throughout the day like he's a friend of mine. And I always say right. we play we play chess. So people are like, "You play chess with God, girl?" Mm. And I'm like, "I do." And it and it's a visual because I'm a visual person, but it's me on one side, Jesus on the other, and my will is my chess piece. So if I want to move it forward, God can either like allow that to move forward on the on the chessboard, or He can check me right and take away my 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 chess piece. Yeah. But um, it's like that. We play chess a lot. And he has a great sense of humor with me, like I'm marrying a defense attorney. So case in point, <laughs> but um, yeah, for sure, that's how that happened. Um, I, I I have done AA in the past. It works great for some people. I was fully willing to do that with this time around. Um, I think the 12 steps are a way to get connected to God and or a spiritual um, realm or divine entity, whatever you want to call it, you know, and you can make it yours. And I think that's beautiful about the program. Um, I, I did work the steps earlier on in my recovery, but it's been me and God since, and it's been, um, the obsession's been removed and the spirit of helping others was what was in, was, was, um, given to me. 
Um, well, let's talk about your. How, how many times did you go through any type of rehab or made an attempt? Do you know? Do you, you have a number? How much time do we have? No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, right. A, a lot. I think. I think probably overall seventeen. Okay. Um, and that includes Great. the detoxes and hospitals, or that's not including that. And I would always have to, because I would have withdrawals and um, DTs and shake, so and seizures. Yeah, and people can die. So we are talking about a medical situation that can be an emergency. And and anyone listening right now, um, if that is you, please seek medical help. Yeah. Because that is something very very serious. Um, yes. So 17th times the charm, which is great. That is your number. 17 is your number, which is, I, yeah. I love that you're that transparent. So at 18, you're a freshman. Were you in a sorority at Texas? I was in, I was in 80 Pie. And... Okay. So you're in 80 Pie there. Great, great chapter there, I know, in Austin. Having a good time. <laughs> when did you start realizing, or when did your friends start whispering, saying, okay, this isn't just fun because we were to Sigma Chi walkout. This is now a problem. How old were you at that point? Well, it's interesting because my friends in the sorority didn't. It wasn't until I started seeing my own consequences. Um, uh-huh. It was kind of normalized. This was back when, like, Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan, and it was kind of cool to be a hot mess, you know? Um, yeah, that's true. They always yeah. thought it was funny. Um, I think that they knew, but I kind of think that some of them liked me being the mess. You know what I mean? That I honestly do. Um I lost a lot of them when I started getting sober, you know, um, uh, but I yeah. started witnessing um, external consequences. I went to jail the first weekend that I fully drank for a public intoxication. Um, and I lost. And how old were you at that point? 20. So you were still a minor. So they, they were also minor in possession. You had yeah. some other offenses that right. you had to address. So then your parents probably got involved early in the game, right? Yeah, and they were just heartbroken. I mean, seeing of the girl oh, that I, I was, and I mean, it was a shock to everybody. There's there's no alcoholism in my family or addiction of any kind. That's what I was going to ask you. Really? Codependency, yes. Anxiety, yes. I think that Which, it can manifest. Yeah, you could be, that's right. You could be masking. Mm-hmm. That's why people will say, well, there's no addiction in my family. Check, but w- mm-hmm. you have to say, but wait a minute. Yeah. Because all families have, we have broken pieces. Otherwise, why would we need a holy God to save us? I mean, so yeah. I, I understand that. They're, Instagram, y'all, really, Instagram is just the high, you know, the, the reels, the highlight reels of your yeah. life. So, you know, we, we don't show that. So I, I think that's a very valid point that your family dealt with some other things. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Because you said that it was, that's a dysfunctional relationship with the boyfriend in high school. But no judgment for me. I want to make oh, that yeah. clear. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's I, real. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. I come from so much addiction, generationally addiction. Yeah. So that's why I just have such a big heart. But I do also wonder why I didn't bend that way. I, I, I don't have the desire to drink more than one of anything. I'm bored with it. I'm tired of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm impulsive, but I'm not compulsive. I don't, yeah. So, so I think there is a wiring. Mm-hmm. So there may have been some things as a wiring for you too, growing up, because you yeah. said you went from, you go from zero to one hundred. Yeah. I bet you did that, Ashley, with a lot of things you approach, whether cheer, mm-hmm. whether whatever it was. Yeah. And it's it's learning to temper that 
Yeah. And that's what you've done. So I did want to know about family, um, any family incidents, and the answer is no. So these were like, if <laughs> these were first time your parents were hearing things like codependency, yeah. addiction. Wow, yeah. that's a learning curve right there. Well, and to be completely candid, um, I had, yes, I was very impulsive my entire my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you numerous examples of that. So that was definitely a trait. I I do have like some trauma in my in my background, you know, and that trauma looks like you're not good enough, and I was never good enough, and I was never going to be good enough. Um, that still sticks with me some, and I'm doing the work around that, but the voice is quieter that tells me that. Um, it hasn't gone away fully, but it, it gets quiet, you know, and then, um, sorry, were you? Oh. Well, so then I'm just thinking that trauma with that, then when you lean to something, alcohol or a substance, mm-hmm. it could be gambling, it could be porn, it could be anything, then it quiets that. Yeah that mean voice, that hateful voice, because those are lies, right? Yeah, and I think it was a very complicated upbringing um, for me. And it was very kind of hypocritical. My parents are going to kill me, you hear that? But no, but I mean, they appreciate that I'm an honest person now. But um, well, And they have to deal with it. I mean, we all yeah. need to deal with our own ish. Yeah, for sure. So it, it was just a lot um, going on in my household. Um, Got it. And I'm the older one, so... I, I, and it was a lot of it was confusing to me. And so I think I just wanted to check out for a very long time. And this is something, and I don't share this often, and I'll share it now because I'm getting married this weekend. But early on, I think I was in probably junior high, I started writing letters to my future husband. And really, yeah, I was going to give them to him on his wedding day, whoever that was. But I realized it was probably me writing to someone to, to save me, um, to escape, yeah, to save me. You know, yeah, um, yeah, to save you, sure. sure. Yeah. I see that. Um, was drinking something you did every day? Yes. Yes. Like it was a job. I can't, I, nothing else mattered but it. Um, I, I drink every day from morning to night. And if I didn't have it, I would go into withdrawals, um, shakes, cold sweats, um, anxiety. I mean, if I wasn't drinking and I was figuring out how I'm going to drink it next. That was my life. That was, I sure, like, because I, I work at a rehab part-time with some gentlemen that I teach yoga to. I hope so. And, um, and it's pretty awesome. But I, I share that, and they can identify that, like, my two hobbies were getting drunk or trying to figure out how I'm going to get drunk next. Because, heaven forbid, I, I run out of alcohol. That was, like, the worst, you know? Well, I mean, unless you were an heiress to the Vanderbilt fortune, <laughs> how did you afford this? Um. Which which part? The, the drinking every day. It's uh, expensive. Oh, I guess you didn't eat. I didn't eat. Um, I started off like a wine drinker, actually, and then it got to like, I'll drink whatever. But I worked in the film industry. Um, I was a costume designer for years, and I did make good money doing that. But it was also normalized. You know, it's a drinking culture, right? Absolutely. And you pretty much work or substances. So you can have a couple months off to party and then you get back on a show, you know. Um, so that was that was a lot of it. And my parents um they stopped doing this. They were big enablers of money. Money. Good. Yeah. That was good. So um on um a set like that, weren't 
were you ever worried that people are going to find out your secret, that you were really a drunk? Or did you think, I'm holding it together, nobody knows, I'm fine? Well, I I didn't care. That's the crazy part. Um, I didn't know that everyone knew my secret already um, because I would get off a show and go to a new one right when things were kind of falling apart. There was one that I wrapped a show and they... They sent me a photo, and in my desk drawer in the wardrobe room were tons of alcohol bottles. And so people were starting to figure out my secret. I think people knew, but the thing is, I acted normally when I was drunk until it got sloppy because I couldn't operate in any other way. Um, oh, so you were really, I mean, this isn't an overstatement. You were really never sober. I was never sober. Mm-mm. So learning how to be sober and do life on life terms and like simple things like go to the grocery store. And I was in a car accident um, in my early 20s and I would self-medicate with alcohol for severe panic attacks. I'm still working on I will drive now, but not on a freeway, but I'm I'm still working on that. And that's okay. I'm okay where I'm at with that. But um, so driving sober that I mean, that's that I, I had to have a couple drinks in me. And it sounds so nuts, like that I thought I was safer yeah. drinking and dri- mm-hmm. driving um, than that. Can you hear me? But you know what? Oh, yeah. Ashley, that also shows us that there are people on the 405 or here on I-30 or um, I'm trying to think the one in Dallas, 75 going through Dallas, that are also have that same philosophy. Yeah. At We're recording this at noon mm-hmm. central time. So at noon, there are people drinking because they think. That's the only way that can get on the highway. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so we're, that's why, I mean, we can only do so much to protect our babies and ourselves. Yeah. Um, with our own choices. But it's also sometimes we are the consequence of a choice someone else makes. Yeah. And again, you had no malice. You, you didn't wake up that day so thinking, I'm going to get in a wreck and ruin someone's life. And you probably didn't ruin someone's yeah. life. but. But that those are the consequences that you now can see. That that's what is kind of fascinating me is that you didn't have the foresight, or did you, to think these decisions are going to affect other people? No, no, I didn't. Um, and they sometimes say, you know, addiction is a selfish disease, and I don't think we do that intentionally. It's it's because we are fixated on the alcohol. It's all about the alcohol, yeah, and it's right. dark, it's and alcohol. nothing else matters. Um, that was the love of your life. The alcohol was the love of your oh, life. Oh, yeah. That was it. And I, I feel it's a mental disease. And I share this because people don't lose their kids if, if they could just stop. Right. And I, and I, right. I feel like right. there is something deeper and it's not a willpower thing. That's why the power of God had to intervene on my life. And I couldn't just stop on my own. But, um, yeah, it happens all the time. And that actress that, you know, I don't know if you heard that ran into a house and was under oh, yeah. the influence earlier in the morning. Yes. That's case yes. in point. And that could have easily been me. People are like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, gosh. And I'm like, that could have been me 10 times over. I, I am fortunate yeah. that my story doesn't have me hurting anyone physically. I hurt people emotionally. And then they ended up, it was Anne Hayes, they ended up pulling her from life support yeah. recently, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, no, no. I, I see that. Again, when you come from addiction, uh, nothing surprises me. I mean, none mm-hmm. of that. That's why I don't have judgment about it. Yeah. I hate it. I, I hate addiction me so too. much. I, I hate that we're having to talk about it, but I'm so proud of you for <laughs> being 
so candid and telling your story because you are just a doll. <laughs> Anyone listening needs to go to YouTube and watch her. You are just a doll. <laughs> you almost are Brittany Murphy, beautiful, you know, with because you're petite and your yeah. uh, blonde hair. Are you brown eyed? You look like yeah. you're brown eyed. <laughs> and yeah, I see. And just there's you're just very endearing. So thank you so much for sharing all this. Let me ask about your parents. And I know you can't speak for them, but when parents are helping their kids with that first offense, is that too many offenses to help their kids with? Or should they immediately cut them off and go, you're on your own? I, I think it differs just like alcoholism and people, it's all different, right? My, I don't look, my story is not exactly like another addict story. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer for that. I know that my, what happened for me is they got involved and they kept getting involved. But it wasn't until they lovingly said, like, you got to do this. Like, we're sick of you. You have to remember getting sober because we send you this expensive rehab and then like relapsing right after because I would oh. I would get their hopes up, you know, oh, I, their hopes gosh. would be up, you mm. know, that she's going to come home fixed. And mm -hmm. um, that was painful for them. Um, and I don't blame them for saying, like, figure it out. I, I don't, oh, I don't either. So do you think, Ashley, that first time you went, you were going to get fixed or you are going to appease them? I had no, we, since we don't have any really addiction that we can tell in the family, um, maybe right. way down the line, I didn't truly know what an alcoholic was. So I thought an alcoholic lived under a bridge. Like I pictured someone under the bridge with a brown bag. I did not think. So you didn't think you were an alcoholic then? No, I didn't. I, I thought I was a party girl, sex party girl, but I, I just thought I didn't have a stop button. So the first treatment center I went to, talking about alcohol and I'm an alcoholic, it was like it rocked my world. Because, again, I was fixated on you're under a bridge with a paper bag. And guess what? That was me towards the end of my story, you know? Wow. And so um, I, it was educational for my family and me in the early days. Well, what is the average cost of a bougie uh, rehab facility? Is it 75000 well, oh, sometimes insurance will cover it if it's in network. Oh. So insurance covers a lot. I was fortunate that for the most of this, I was still on my parents' insurance, right, under yeah. 26. So that all. And then, I mean, they, they do go up to like, I mean, 75000 a month. 30000 a month is nothing. If you go to a, a, a posh one, you know, in Salt Lake, yeah. in Salt Lake City or Malibu. Um, Malibu, right. But here's the deal. I got sober at a MedCal facility and I showed up with a trash bag of clothes and it stuck. You know what I mean? Um, that's wow. my story. Like with people out of jail, like, you know, um, us in bunk beds, like in Hollywood of all places, I got sober at a MedCal right. facility, a state facility in Hollywood. Um, I still laugh at that. <laughs> so that just meant you had to have the maturity and the realization that this is it. It doesn't matter how nice the, the surroundings are and what sushi they're feeding you. It was more, it's internal. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what I needed um, and I didn't realize I needed. Um, but God, God had a plan for me, honestly. I really and truly believe that. But if I wasn't supposed I to be sober then, somebody mentioned to me, you just have a higher pain tolerance than others. And that's always stuck with me. Because no matter what I would go through, I wouldn't give up on trying to get sober. I, I was super, um, I persevered and I, I was super, like, you know, committed. And 
I'm glad I stayed kind of committed because I eventually got sober. But God, God just finally, I think, I think maybe he always spoke to me when I was in my addiction. I just wasn't fully coherent enough to understand that. So um, I think it was just timing, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there was a time and that was it. Um, so in college, did you finish a, a four-year degree? Did you, fi- you know, follow a traditional route, even though you were functioning as an alcoholic, or were you kind of falling apart in college? Um, I did. I have thirty hours left of college. Um, it, okay. It's a progressive illness. Alcoholism never gets better. It will get worse. And I, if you are a true quote unquote alcoholic and only you can diagnose yourself that I can't tell you if you are or not. I mean, you, you know, people will tell you like, you should look at your drinking. You're an alcoholic. No, until you diagnose and qualify yourself, you're not going to get help or better. Right. In fact, you're probably going to keep drinking and do the opposite. But, um, I, I didn't finish towards the end because I couldn't get myself to class. Like I would drink all, I would be drunk all the time. So I just wouldn't go. It's it, towards the end. I was able to pull off like, just showing up for classes and, and um, taking my test because I, I, I do, I am not, I'm gifted with education, you know, and so I, yeah, I figured to be at Texas is top tier school. So I figured you obviously earned your way to get there. It yeah. was just keeping your position was the hard part. Yeah, it was. And it's so, it's so sad going through like gifted and talented classes in high school and then getting in that position and not finishing. I think that was a shock for all of us. Um, but you know, it was also massive. I'm the creative one. Um, I'm going to go in the mm-hmm. film industry. I'm the black mm-hmm. sheep. And it, it's incredible because, you know, my dad was like, you're going to grow up and be an attorney. It was always like, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. change the world and do something like really prestigious. And he actually, a couple years ago, came to see me on a movie set and said, like, I get this. I get you. Like, um, oh. I see that you're the black sheep and guess what? I was too. Um, <gasps> And that was That's the first sweet. time I, I had heard that he was like a black sheep, quote unquote. So, um, yeah, it's just. But your story is so valuable. Yeah. The story doesn't have to be a four-year undergrad with a master's and um, medical school. I mean, your story is, I lack 30 hours. That's just one year. And really, it hasn't hurt. It doesn't matter. No. The only time, I, I have a whole feeling now, theory, on who needs degrees or engineers architects and teachers the rest of us i mean i have a degree but you know we can flounder and make our way and and you haven't floundered at all because it you didn't need a degree for what you do yeah so that's (laughs) that's one component and you're this is your story this is such a success story that you have attained sobriety yeah and i and I don't need a degree to help somebody else, you know, no. with my story. Um, I joke with my fiance that I'm like, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to go to law school and, and te- you know, just do it and see if I can do it, you know, because, you know. He's, Kim Kardashian's doing it. I'm just, like, just going to go for it. And it, even though that's not how my brain works, um, film and television and costuming um, is is what I'm good at. And I don't didn't need What was team. your major? Um, it was fashion merchandising with a binary okay. business so- marketing. So visual, creative, yeah, all those things. Always. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was making great money with the costuming. It just kept me really sick for a long time. And something interesting, um, I went back last week for a project, a two-day project, and I have not in sobriety at all. Um, 
And that was the first time. And I went with a good friend of mine was a producer that knows my story. And I came out of retirement. I'm in retirement. I tell people for a two-day shoot for Apple. And my work is the best work I've ever done because I'm sober. But I was terrified to go back. I associated that with my drinking. And to sure. go there and, and do it sober and walk away from it and see a huge difference. Um, there's a different level of pride you have for your, you know, you're proud of yourself. I, I'm proud of myself when I, um, every time I turn almost a year, you know, a year sober or when I have sober victories, um, it's a, all different. It's a totally different level of like being proud of um, yourself. So, um, Do you go to meetings? So I... I don't. I do sometimes. I have a Wednesday morning group that I'll log into. I'm really active in my church. Um, Good. I teach I teach yoga to men's rehab two days a week. Um, I, awesome. I, I will speak at any meeting if I'm asked to. Um, any podcast, I never say no. Um, my, you can, and we thank you. Thank you. You can always call my phone, but I'm also a part of a women's organization that's nationally ranked and we do a lot of community service um and i'm chairing something for them this week but but, what's that organization called um junior league of la oh junior league. yeah if you would have told me again three years ago i'd be in junior league i would think you're crazy but actually it checks out it makes sense because there's ashley before all this happened right and then what ashley under the influence which is not me and then of course i'm coming back to like my roots but that keeps me feeling amazing. When you help somebody else, it's a different kind of high than you, than you can ever think about, you know. And, and what's interesting is my fiancé being a defense attorney, he works with people like me. So it's amazing mm-hmm. to aid him into getting people into a treatment center versus jail. So we're kind of... I think of, it's the perfect power couple. It's really cool, actually, because, I, I, you know, it's, I've been through it. I've done it. And um, it's just really cool to see him have compassion for it, too. Um, right. Because people that who haven't walked in any of that often, and I'm not making a blanket statement, but I'm saying often will discard addicts because they don't understand. And until you've walked through it, you helped him who doesn't really drink. He said he was a fraternity boy and it helps him see that perspective. I think that's beautiful. Hey friends, let me just take a moment to kind of talk to you about Ralston Family Farms. This might be your first time to listen to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. They've been a sponsor for a long time now, since back in 2020. Who remember? Raise your hand if you remember 2020. Well, let me tell you some things they do and what makes us so proud here in Arkansas. Number one, non-GMO farm. Uh, They've got Premier Rice. Ask your grocer to get it or go to their website, RalstonFamilyFarms.com. And of course, Arkansas Rice, regenerative farming, all the things you want. But what they do is they have these monthly themes, which I think are so cute because all their social media kind of embraces it. And September is National Family Meals Month, ding, 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 with Ralston Family Farms Rice and National Rice Month. I think that's a pretty good marriage, don't you? Think about the fall, family gatherings around the table, showing love. And it's from their family rice farm to your family table. You can celebrate family and rice all together in one fell swoop. And of course, September is the perfect month for celebrating family. Things finally cool off in the Northern Hemisphere and we can celebrate. We want you to celebrate your family. That's how they feel at Ralston Family Farms where many generations are farming. In fact, they've been farming for, are you sitting down? 
10 generations. RalstonFamilyFarms.com. Okay, Ashley, so you're talking about, you know, going back to the set and kind of there are triggers in those sets, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because you remember, you take yourself back. Then how do you feel about doing social events? How, how will you feel about your wedding? How will you feel when everybody's going to brunch and having alcohol? How do you feel on all that? You know what? It's a miracle. And this is where my relationship with God and like the obsession being removed. And it's incredible. But we're having champagne, beer and wine at the wedding in my dining room. Yeah. In my dining room right now, there's tons of cases of wine. And the thing is, is like you wouldn't I would never have thought that. But the obsession has been removed. I know my truth and I cannot drink it nor do I want to. And this is what's funny. I have kind of an aversion to smelling it now. So if I smell like a sweet, tart, white wine, my stomach actually feels like it did when I was drinking, like I was about to get sick, you know, and just like in my tasting it. And, um, but yeah, my parents aren't hosting it because that's not, that's not fair, nor would I ask them. David and I are taking care of that, but we are doing just champagne, for the toast, beer and wine, nothing hard. But that's the miracle and the beauty of it. And that's just a testament to how like big God is. And if you let him do it, it, you'll get, I mean, this is crazy, you know, so. So will you put apple juice or Mm -hmm. sparkling water in your flute and toast and nobody cares? No. This is what I've realized. It's the same thing because I'm a health coach for an intermittent fasting coach. Mm It's the same thing I tell people when they go places and their their feasting window's not open yet. And they go, but I'm at a big lunch. What do I do? I went, don't eat. Nobody cares. People are so consumed with themselves that they're not looking to see that you're drinking apple juice or to somebody you're not eating lunch with everybody. Just go about your day. Now, you are the bride. They're going to see how beautiful you are. That's all they care about. Yeah. Um, and everyone there knows my story and stuff like that. And they also like when I wore that shirt, it's like you know, ex-party girl, you know, and everybody, it's a joke, you know, and everyone in my circle and um, outside, you know, they know that I just don't drink anymore. And it's, I used to tell people <laughs> when they're like, um, you don't drink. And I'm like, do you want to drink? And I'm like, no, girl, do you want to keep your things in your house? Do you want your house to like stay intact? Do you want it to burn down? You, you don't want me drinking. I'm like, do you want to? What was, which? <laughs> Was your name attached to any fires then when you say burned down? No. Like, did you have any real tragedies or felonies that were, not that you were charged and the statute of limitations has run out probably, but <laughs> were there times and instances where you were like, oh crap, I did some damage here? Oh yeah. Uh, my apartment caught on fire, but it wasn't me, but we for a long time thought it was um, what led up to me oh. being homeless and walking the streets in Hollywood. And it was for three weeks because... um. I got off a production, came back home to my apartment. There was an electrical fire on the first floor, but I was, I was passed out in a blackout during the whole thing. So I didn't know until a firefighter came in and, um, that, yeah, that's what happened. And for the long, so that would have killed you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even thank God someone went up there because it was on a Saturday afternoon and I was dead to the world. Absolutely had no idea. Um, and this is the this is the sad sickness part that I have to give myself compassion for is while my apartment was burning down, the Red Cross gave me a blanket. I walked to get margaritas in my blanket. Oh, stop. In stop. my blanket. And no shoes. 
No, I had slippers on at this point. But at some point when I was on the streets, I lost my slippers. And I loved them. They were leopard slippers. But anyways, that's just the point. Yes. I I would only expect you in leopard slippers. I know. That sounds terrible. But um, yeah, so, and everyone for the longest time was like, did you do it? And I was like, I think I did. Like, I don't know. And um, Oh, you really did think you might have done it. Yeah, but it turns out I didn't because it's, you know, electrical fire on the first floor. But I was convinced. And then everybody around me was convinced and I, I got offended at first when I was like, because I would be like, Mom, my apartment's on fire. She's like, well, did you do it? And then, like. What, now, tell me, what what is the connection there? Is it because drunks are sloppy and drunks are still cooking and smoking and doing things that could be dangerous? I mean, is that why they made the connection and you would have maybe not known? The the havoc that I would, like, wreak, I mean, a re, the repap. It would, it was, it was, it was very possible because I was a train wreck mess. I would walk in front of cars. I would fall out of windows. I fell off a sailboat. Like the stuff that I would get myself into, this didn't surprise anyone at all. So who knows how it would have happened, but yeah. Have we talked about what your rock bottom was? Of all these stories, was one of those the rock bottom? Yeah, it was the margarita. Get margaritas with the the blanket around you, realizing yeah, okay, I may have a problem. That was it. Was the fire, and and again, I think God divinely inspired that fire. Luckily, everyone was safe, and I know that sounds crazy, but it got me on the street and desperate. I had an apartment to drink in, you know. Um, it, it sounds so weird saying that, but I'm grateful that like that no. uh, that fire happened to me. Um, so oh, I love that about you. I, ha- I it had to. You're saying that it had to. It, honestly, it had to like burn my addiction down, girl. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I you I would have like been drinking in my apartment and never leaving it, and I wouldn't have gotten desperate that gift of desperation that I so badly yes. needed. Um, now, were you calling your parents then after the fire, saying I need help, financial help? You know, when you were homeless for three weeks in hollywood were you then mad at your parents because they weren't helping i wasn't coherent enough to get mad at them but i remember i remember asking them a lot my the like the department the fire department gave me a gift card um and a friend of mine back home started a gofundme for me and actually my sister held on to that money so i it wasn't like i had um yeah that money for any of this and i'm so yeah. grateful she did that um but yeah i was just on the streets and that was the rock bottom for three weeks not knowing and i still have a hard time piecing together what happened during those three weeks and that's the scary part um like i didn't know i, I don't i didn't know what was before what like i knew the certain things i did but that's so scary you know being in like a three-week blackout but um, that's when I was walking down um, a street in Hollywood and this entertainment van pulled up. And this is a really cool story. Stefan, this like Hollywood, you know, worker for the city, um, took me to an AA meeting. And I met a couple there. Are you serious? Yeah. He's all over my wow. story. And um, he took me to an AA meeting. Had he seen you before? Or he just knew if he was an alcoholic, he knows what an alcoholic looks like. I don't know. No, he wasn't. He, was, he wasn't an alcoholic, but he pulled over and took me to a meeting in the area. Um, wow. And then a couple there took me back and they like, they were going to give me a hotel, but they thought I'd run, which I probably would have. So I stayed with this couple mm-hmm. and then Stefan came back the next morning and got me. And from their house and took me to a treatment facility. 
then he was with me in the ER hospital detoxing all day on Thursday. This Stefan, he's an angel. Um, he's an angel. To this day, every on my sober birthday, I see him. Um, is that right? Yeah, that that's really like a dear. really beautiful story. But um, my first year sober, I got to give him a big hug, and he couldn't believe it. And so I told him, I was like, every year I'm going to call you. So the next year I called him and uh, told him I was getting married. Um, yeah, so I don't talk to him. Just one time a year. He's local. That's all you need. Yeah. Right. So That's really dear. We got a little special connection. Well, okay, tell me um, what happens in a rehab facility. The first thing they have to do is medically detox you, I understand. Yes. And then after you go through medical, during medical detox, do you go to meetings or anything, or are you just working on your physical health? Normally you don't because you're so unstable. Um, uh-huh. Drug users usually have a lot of pain. Heroin, um, meth users tend to like sleep for a long time. Alcohol, we're, we're known for seizures, right? Yeah. So we're a liability, but... Um, we basically it's just to get well for like a week you know um and you usually sleep the entire time and they give you medication to taper you down um safely but it's it's groups you know um a lot of groups that aren't just about alcoholism but about how do you cope with your feelings your anxiety um dbt cbt um that's day what's dbt Dialectal, dialectal behavior therapy. It's and the other is cognitive. Yeah, cognitive. Therapy. Um, okay. I have some mental yeah. health leaked with leak, like linked with mine. So the behavioral exercises um, were good for me. And don't you? But don't you think a lot of because I've worked in the mental health industry too. Uh, don't you think a lot of addiction is goes back to either undiagnosed depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, yes. schizophrenia. And it's a way to self medicate. Yeah, that's what my started with mine, the anxiety from the car accident. And then I have a mood disorder. Um, I do have bipolar 2, not 1, um, which is mm-hmm. mixed mixed episodes normally. Um, right. And just... Um, but no psychotic break in a 2, right? No. Well, I mean, when I drank, it didn't make it any better. I was, I was more impulsive and, you know, more out there. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. I, I, you know... I, was, I medicated that, and it's very common. You're right, you know. Very. So are you able now to maintain good mental health through medication and talk therapy and other things? Well, yeah, and it's so fu- it's like crazy because I'm realizing that my alcoholism, I was self-medicating with it, but it actually made it worse. And now that I'm right. sober, I have, I'm completely, quote-unquote, normal, and I do take a med lamictal low dose um but it's Good. interesting to see how it changed just from how i live now you know um yeah. and no, those behavior I, changes um yeah who i surround myself so, with okay because what i know i've done a lot of research on bipolar disorder it starts manifesting at about age 18 to 25 so you really could have been just medicating self-medicating the mental illness the whole time. That's why yeah. in high school, you may not have, unless you remember having some low moods mm-hmm. or pensive moods, because it kind of starts maybe around 16 or 17. The best book on that is The Unquiet Mind that oh. I read, written by the 
PhD researcher who actually wrote the clinical definition of bipolar disorder because she had bipolar disorder, oh, wow. but she's the PhD. She's the textbook author. It's one of the, I read it 20 years ago when a friend was bipolar and it just made me understand. Yeah. It's like if someone had diabetes, they would take yeah. type one diabetes. They would take insulin. If you have a mental illness, of course you need to take a medicine, but yeah. this is not medical advice. My attorney wanted me to tell everybody. Yeah. I'll, also, do you, okay. Let's look at the culture now, and I don't know if it's if it's the pandemic spawned this, but everybody has wine o'clock. Every mm-hmm. moms are always drinking out of their sippy cups yeah. and having a everything is about alcohol now. It's so pervasive, or is am I accurate on that? Do you feel like it's like that that we have an alcohol culture, especially for women? I do. I I see both sides. I think the mental health advocacy culture is speaking up more. Um, Celebrities or more celebrities are coming out about it, depression and anxiety and bipolar. And I think since the pandemic, a lot of people are being more vocal about that. Um, So I see it twofold. There is definitely like mommy needs her wine culture for sure. Um, Yes. That's why I started my brand is let's that's glamorizing that wine culture, that alcohol culture. I'm glamorizing not. And my brand is not for just sober people. It's actually for moms that just don't drink anymore. It's ex party girl. Doesn't mean that you're sober, but maybe you just don't do the bottle service anymore. You have a new bottle service, (laughs) you know, Um, sparkling water or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I for sure. Now, um, so health concerns. And I know these things are reversible, but what did your liver look like during the throes of alcoholism? And how has it, how has your health like that, your organs turned around? Yeah, so I had a fatty liver. Um, I did have some like liver issues. Luckily, nothing immediate. I mean, I don't know if years from now or whatever, but um, I, I did have withdrawal seizures. Those are a part of my story. Um, yeah. So dangerous, but... Um, I'm I'm healthy today. I go to spin class. Um, I take vitamins. You know, it's Good. like, um, it's just, yeah, it's a miracle. It's all a miracle. It's just a miracle, to be honest. It is. Yeah. Your story is very miraculous. Um, tell me your favorite movie or film or TV show that you've worked on. Oh, there's so many. Um, I, I worked on a film, and it's funny, I just saw the trailer again this morning, but I worked on a film called The uh, Warning Shot. And we shot it actually, let's get this. We shot it in the hometown in Texas that my grandparents live in and my mom grew no up way. in. So I was stayed no with way. my grandparents um, and I worked on this oh, film. Um, and it was a David Spade's first dramatic role. It was with George, uh, oh. yeah, James Earl Jones, Bruce Dern. Um, yes. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And that was my favorite. I think my mom working with me and then my aunt who lives in the same town did like our locations because she's a realtor there. What town was that? Corsicana, Texas. Yeah, of course, again, where the cheerleaders are. Yeah, my mom cheered at Navarro. Yeah. Okay, the cheerleaders. And did you see the fruitcake? Yeah. The fruitcake. It was on Amazon. It's called um, something about the fruitcake dealer or something. The fruitcake place in Corsicana, I think it was that same town, yes, was defrauded by like their CFO Mm -hmm. with millions. I mean, I'm laughing because you're like, what else can happen in this little town? Yeah. It, fraud, fruitcake fraud fruitcake fraud oh yeah yeah putting it in the show notes. that definitely happened um yeah and it's a small town everyone knows everybody but yeah that was tragic collins street bakery my mom yes. worked there in high school yes collins street bakery that's exactly what it is 
and it is really good fruitcake. Mm-hmm. But um, they almost had a close there for a minute. Oh, I, and that would be tragic. It's such a classic. But you know what? But Ashley, I go back to that story too. I, I th- because when you're raised in addiction, I think everything, any behavior like that, that is compulsive, erratic. I always go to: is there mental health, and is there an addiction issue? Yeah. Because often the answer is yes. Yeah. Someone who steals from his employer that kind of money has to pay. He that's an addiction. Yeah, and it's it it comes down for me is like, are you walking in the light or the dark? Are you getting your power from yourself and your desires and your your our sinful natures? Are you um are you seeking to be the best version of you? And and knowing God is I think a lot of it, you know. And I I know that sounds a little out there, but you know, living on that more having a moral compass, you know. Um, Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. There's a lot of lost people. I've loved, mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. I've loved every minute you've shared with mm-hmm. me. I know you, you're getting ready for your wedding. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy for you. And I know this about health that we can, especially the liver is amazing mm-hmm. in its ability to regenerate new cells yeah. and sick cells and you're on the right path. Yeah. I, it's it's cool. I thank you for having me. I adored talking with you, my fellow Southerner. I heard that accent and I, I was know. like, "Hey, girl." Um, I, I so know. appreciated hey, it. <laughs> so thank you. Well, you're just a doll, and I can't believe that there's gonna be there's been a heat wave in LA, and now they're gonna have something called rain that they never get. <laughs> yeah, but the good thing about like recovery and it's all good. You know what I mean? It's, it's like I'm I'm That's such a great I'm letting it not steal my joy. You know, it's I'm getting married. Let's let's focus on the thing that I should be grateful for. Um, Absolutely, is getting married. Is such a, <laughs> you know. Yes, I I will say this that I think everyone needs to do go to an AA meeting or an Al-Anon meeting because we all have it. I mean, I just feel like mm-hmm. be, we all have a tendency to be codependent or to try to fix other, in that, try to fix others, or we're not responsible for their behavior. It's, there are so many good things that come out of the recovery community. Oh yeah. And your perspective right there of not gonna let steal my joy. Yeah. I, I'm getting married. That's the bottom line. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.